0: dance your heart on fire podcast episode number 90
1: and sometimes they say nothing about the following steps and Mm -hmm. you know wage transfer it's something that took me to understand after one year i think nobody would really say that you know the way you move you have to really understand how you transfer it it's something that people were just leaving out Mm. and um, it, it feels unfair it feels unfair that uh, follows are not being like uh, putting that much effort in teaching how to follow because again as I told you the some follows they will blow your mind away and understanding how to get there is super important and we all pay money <laughs> we all pay the same nobody says follows they are not that important they can pay less <laughs>
2: Pobre bração e emoção É verdade, sou da África Não tens curiosidade E saber de onde vieste Pobre bração e emoção É verdade, sou da África Pobre vieste Sente com todo o amor que Welcome to the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast,
0: the podcast dedicated to inspiring dancers worldwide whose hearts have been touched by music and dance. The universal language of dance and music is spoken by many of us throughout the world. We want to motivate the dancer in you by sharing stories, insights, and ideas to enhance your journey. Join us now with your host, Charles Ogar. Hello, hello, everyone. This is Charles with the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast coming at you with another weekly episode. And we are here again. And this podcast is going to be a little interesting because I have one of my good friends on the line because typically what you see on this podcast is me interviewing another instructor that's maybe has some international notoriety and we're going into their dance journey and things of that nature and obviously you can think like i can't i can't interview 500 people like this because everybody doesn't have international notoriety and things like that so we're gonna be diverting into different juicy subjects and and things like that and i have my friend eliza is that did i say that correctly
1: (laughs) no it's eliza
0: eliza yeah so there's also eliza sala the
1: is she eliza sala
0: is it Eliza or Eliza? I've heard I feel like I've heard Eliza more.
1: I think in, Nor- in North I America they say Eliza most of the times. Like the, my name they usually say Eliza because mm-hmm. it's confusing. That's how you would usually say, but um, my full name is Elizabeth. <laughs> so you cannot go to Eliza from Elizabeth. Elizabeth. <laughs> it's really confusing. A lot of uh, um, room for errors in my name. <laughs>
0: This Mm -hmm. makes me think about the all the different vowel pronunciations in French, and that's really crazy how if people don't know Eliza lives in Montreal. And so I'm also learning French. So if you're a French speaker, you already know what I'm talking about. And it's crazy how the the word changes depending on the type of vowel sound is is pronounced. Right. It's very subtle
1: yeah but yeah french french language is not the most easy the easiest language in the world that's for sure <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. i feel like i have better comprehension reading because of my spanish but speaking that's going to probably take some some time
1: yes but are we going to stay start our recording with you saying my name wrong
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes because <laughs> Yes, we'll start it with that because it's good. It's good. It's a good conversation. Like, we're human. We we ask questions. We, I can say, okay. So, we have on the line Eliza. I said it wrong again. We have on the line my good friend Eliza. Oh, which is short for Elizabeth.
1: No, it's (laughs) Elizabeth. Just like I tell you, this is like, like you can, we can spend like five minutes trying to pronounce it right. <laughs>
0: mm. Eliza, I'll remember Elizabeth. And so that should help pronounce the rest, right?
1: Yes, exactly. That's, that's the funny part about it, right? Because Elizabeth, not Eliza Beast. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> But still, when you shorten it, it just becomes a different name.
0: Mm-hmm. So we have Eliza elizabeth on the line from montreal and
1: but but i'm not elizabeth <laughs> it's elizabeth is not my name charles
0: my name i is thought you said your name was elizabeth but you go by El- eliza
1: my name is Elizabeth. it's V. it's a russian way we say it. it's
0: um, totally
1: different we we still cannot you cannot call me elizabeth because it would be so funny and really weird it's like a Elizabeth Starstina. No, (laughs) I'm Elisabetta or just Elisa.
0: I thought that you were making fun of the Spanish language or something like that.
1: No, it's my real name, my passport. They want to see it? (laughs) No, it's like uh, all over different different name with V and
3: uh, yeah. Okay,
0: (laughs) that is interesting to know now because you know like I don't know like some people you see that they uh, Will speak something in Spanish. She's like, "Oh yeah, I need a whatever, whatever, like a keyboarder," and they just throw an "a" at the end. Oh, okay. so <laughs> no, 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 no. I thought you were joking, so we're not. Most of, the,
1: most of the female names in Russia actually ends on a. Uh, I would mm-hmm. say, I would say ninety ninety five percent.
0: I agree. There are a lot of Russian women that dance kizomba, so I, I agree with this. There's Maria. There's Lilia. There's S- 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 Svetlana,
1: Svetlana, Olga, Olga, um, Alessia, Tatiana. Let me Lu- who?
0: I have a friend. Her name is uh L I U B A. Luiba. Ah L- Luba. Luba, yes. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, there's a lot it's of uh, much
1: them on A, yeah, Elisaveta.
0: A lot of them ending in A. Um I just did a friend. I'm sorry, I just I didn't do my friend. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> I, <wasn't> exactly-
0: <laughs> I did a photo shoot with my friend um, mm-hmm. Lilia and she's Russian and mm-hmm. it was fun though, to get together with her. She likes getting in front of the camera. So <laughs> shout out to Lilia if she's listening to the podcast. But um, <laughs> We have an interesting topic and this topic, I guess we've been I guess chewing on this topic for a while now. So it's going to be good to kind of like get it out to the world and kind of dissect this a little bit more or deconstruct it as the title of the podcast is showing. But basically let's, let's go back and like explain the story of why Elisa is even here. So there was a podcast with Maya and Jules. Jules, I did a podcast with her. I'll link her show in the show notes and I don't remember what the, the, the topic of the podcast was. Maybe it was woman in Kizomba or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it was with Gigi and Gigi. I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing G- it.
1: Yeah. J. G-G and Gigi. J.J.
0: and Gigi. And they were doing these shows. Are they still doing these shows? I'm not sure if they do them anymore.
1: I don't think so. I think um, they are just got busy with something else during this pandemic, but I haven't seen any more episodes.
0: So, they were doing like these Facebook Live kind of like talks, and they were taking on some callers to like come in and share their thoughts on the particular subjects. And Elisa came on and very eloquently shared her points about different views about uh, dance roles and in her experience in classes and teaching and all these things. And it was really nice to hear your perspective. And I'm like, I have to do a podcast with this lady. So that is why she's here. And we like have been brainstorming and kind of writing our ports down and things like that, that we'll share to kind of, I guess, shed light on this transitional phase that we're in, in Kizomba for sure. Mm-hmm. But um, I'll let you kind of introduce yourself, Elisa, and explain like who you are, what you do, maybe when you started Kizomba,
1: um, all right. So um Elisa.
0: <laughs> nice <Next laughs> to meet
1: you everyone. <laughs> um I am a big Kizomba enthusiast, like all of us. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Who's there not really taking it seriously. <laughs> when you get in there, you you are in there. Mm-hmm. So and uh, I discovered Kizomba when I came to Montreal. Uh by Where chance, were you before? <laughs>
3: um
1: I was in Windsor, Windsor, Ontario. Mm-hmm you don't have to go there <laughs> I, don't th- I don't think there is any dancing whatsoever so um and then i just decided to move to montreal and i had no idea how big is the dancing scene here is mm. so i i actually never danced before and when i came here i started just uh, looking for um I just always felt like dancing, but never felt like dancing in patterns. I don't really know mm-hmm. I like choreographies that much. And I stumbled upon a school, one of the biggest school here, uh, schools here. And I think they were offering a lot of different stuff. And I still didn't didn't understand at that point what kizomba is, but I saw Kuduru. and for me it was like okay, it's like zumba, okay. And then I think <laughs> I messed it up. All in my head, Zumba, Zumba, but mm. it's more like a, a African dance just by yourself.
3: Mm-hmm. And so I
1: went to that um, practice and I walk into the class and I'm like, okay, Zumba. And it's like f- half of the class are guys. And I was like, wow, how are they going to dance in those jean pants? You know, I have no idea. I came like dressed in a, sport, in a sporty way. And then the teacher said, "Okay, so get your get your couple and start warming up." And it's like, oh. "Wait
0: a minute, wait a minute. What were you wearing to the class?"
1: Yeah, just like I mean leggings and a top ready to sweat it out.
3: <laughs> okay, I got you. <laughs>
1: I guess it's 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 totally acceptable in Kizomba world. Nobody would be mm. like, what are you doing? But anyway, mm-hmm. it's just not something that I expected at all. And especially when they just take you so close right away and start warming <laughs> up and you have no idea what's going on. But as soon as they like the beat dropped when they started playing Kizomba music, I was like, oh, I have no idea what it is, but I want to be here <laughs> at mm-hmm. least for this hour. <laughs> and then to two- remember what the song was. Oh, yeah, this is
3: too much to ask.
1: <laughs> no, oh, no, I'm
0: just is. Sometimes, you know, like, oh, that was that one song, and like maybe now that you're really deep into Kizomba, you heard it again, and then you you make the connection, you know? But it's okay.
1: <laughs> it, it was more about the beat, you know? And I never heard Kizomba music before. And for me, it was something just right from the beginning. I felt so good in this room without knowing what's going to happen. But mm-hmm. the music was, was
0: good. Like Geruzuk was it? Kizomba, Kizomba.
1: Yeah, it was Geruzuk.
0: Okay, nice.
1: Yeah. Um, so it's just, uh, and then from that moment, uh, I think one year and a half, uh, mm-hmm. just leaving Kizomba, breathing Kizomba, eating Kizomba, <laughs> whatever. Mm-hmm. It was. Uh, um, I was spending five, five, six days dancing all the time. Mm-hmm. So you cannot get enough of it and um, i just absolutely love this dance and it uh, changed my way of seeing life (laughs) and yeah so and that's why it's super nice to uh, have people who went through a similar journey definitely um, thoughts yeah
0: Mm -hmm. do you remember that one time that we were in the car together i think it was the first time that i met you Yes. Where were we driving? Because it was a long drive. We were driving from somewhere. I think we
1: were driving to uh, Montreal. To Uh, Quebec City. City. Yes, yes, yes.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes. And it was me and you, and I don't remember who else (laughs) was there. Marcus. Marcus. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah,
1: and the Jules was there too on the way back, I think.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: Yes, it was a fun, fun, funky zombie ride.
0: Yeah, so. I guess for the listeners, so you can have some um, understanding of what was going on. So the first time that I met Elisa, I believe I was in Montreal and I was going to Quebec City for probably one of Smile's events. I think that's the only reason why I've been. And maybe I was teaching, maybe I wasn't. I think I've been to Quebec City like maybe three times. And I flew into Montreal. And then I think the next day Smile had one of his friends pick me up. And there was a carpool to go from Montreal to Quebec City. And it's about a two-hour drive, yeah? Yep. Two and a half. And I remember having a very engaging conversation in in that car. I think we were talking about relationships and Mm -hmm. monogamy and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) And it was very intellectual. So it was very nice.
1: Yeah. All the challenging topics. Mm -hmm. Challenging traditional thinking.
0: (laughs) Definitely. So... In this today's podcast, we are going to uh, be deconstructing traditional dance roles. And if you've been listening to the podcast, this has definitely been a topic that's come up for different people and that I've interviewed, uh, definitely with Jules, when we're talking about like women in Kizomba and definitely with some of the female instructors that I have interviewed as well. There've been quite a few of them as well. And I feel like there's definitely a shift In the Kizoma scene that's happening, where we're starting to see more female leads Mm -hmm. and maybe even men that are open to follow before, whereas before maybe it would have been something that was considered taboo. And yeah, and even more female instructors that are getting like more international notoriety or female leads, I should say, that are getting international notoriety. So it's not just somebody locally anymore. And I think that's a good sign because I know in tango, for example, I know it's still kind of like an interesting thing to where you might see a tango couple and both of them are female. But that's definitely a more Mm -hmm. traditional dancing for sure. In Brazilian Zouk, they're definitely more open. Uh, I think you see that a lot with um, maybe female partnerships. And I know in Salsa, like for some of their international competitions, they have uh, same gender. Oh, and wow. so you have female, female and male, male uh, shows and choreographies and phenomenal, like top notch, world caliber uh, dances. Maybe I'll find one of the videos and put them in there. But They'll there's definitely nature. some people out there as well. I haven't seen so much in Bachata, but yeah, it's it's definitely happening in the dance world. And I think it's starting to happen in Kizoma as well.
1: So far honestly nothing comes to my mind if i think about the couple uh internationally known couple of the same gender like um, i mean both leads and follows or whatever they prefer during the dance it's more like um i think lady styling would would come to
0: because there's adeline and isabel that seem to team up and Mm -hmm. do some things i'll share a video of that so you guys can have that And then I've seen Danielle and her friend, I think her name is Monica, uh, Danielle DeJong. I've interviewed her. So I'll put her podcast in the show notes as well. (laughs) Uh, This podcast is going to have a lot of links. And she's done some kind of duo demos for for lady styling as well. I think those Mm -hmm. are the two that come to mind for sure.
1: Mm -hmm. It's it's already a good beginning for sure. I know lots of... um... Uh, female instructors who are teaching leading for beginners at least the basics uh,
2: mm-hmm. for
1: leads so that that would be uh, something that inspires me the most to see definitely. women uh, teaching teaching this part of the dance
0: definitely i think it's where we're, i guess as a society Zooming a little bit outside of the dancing now, we are starting to see or starting to normalize women in positions of power. And this is interesting now because today is November 11th. And if you're listening to the podcast, you know, with the election happening in the United States, now we're <laughs> going to have our first female vice president. And yeah. that's, of course, one of the, I think the highest, political office that a female has attained and of course she's a woman of color as well and yeah a lot of people are really excited to see that like hey that 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 ceiling has been broken and now you know other women will be more inspired to reach for higher goals um, you're definitely seeing more female CEOs and entrepreneurs and and things of that nature so it's interesting you like you have female MMA, mixed martial arts. Um, You have female. uh, The WNB Day has existed for a few years as well. So I think there's just like, I'm a human. I have two arms and two legs. I'm not an alien. And I'm capable of doing whatever thing it is, regardless of what genital makeup is between my legs. If (laughs) if that's a little crude. (laughs)
1: Yeah, rather focusing on something that unites us and that uh, we have in common than on our differences and trying to just uh, separate everybody in just Mm -hmm. two categories. It's uh, very limiting and not especially progressive, for sure. Mm
0: -hmm. One last thing before we get into the dance uh, side of things is I feel like uh, religion also plays a huge role in this as well. Are you religious, Eliza?
1: Uh, no, not really. I'm. I am not religious. I. I appreciate the idea of it when mm. you just take good stuff, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like this. <laughs> because uh, it, it's it fun. Really funny. Finally, my uh, my grandmother she taught me pretty much all the why wisdom that I have in me came from my grandmother who was who claimed to be atheist all her life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when I grew up, I realized that most of the really wise points came from from Bible, um, because so we are Orthodox Christian, and uh, and I felt a little betrayed <laughs> at that point <laughs> because it kind of the picture didn't match. But um, if if it's a if it's the good um, uh, principles that this, she was trying to teach me, and they came from there, I cannot say anything. It's just generally, genuinely good principles that, uh, everybody should better keep on their life as a, you know, <laughs> like a compass towards the good stuff, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. but, but not really, analogy. yeah, but we can talk about, uh, with, without any problems.
0: <laughs> For sure. So kind of a off tangent question, how many years were you living? Were you born in, in Russia?
1: Um, I I live there, born and raised, and left at twenty two.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Was twenty two. What when is I'm the in.
0: most popular religion in Russia?
1: It's um, Christian Orthodox, Russian Orthodox. Mm. Uh, but I come from a an, uh, I come from a republic that is called Tatarstan,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, the capital is Kazan is the city and the republic too that has probably 50-50 representatives of um, orthodox people and muslim people mm-hmm. so uh, Mongol, Tatar-Mongol, they came over and uh, left a big trail, trace of the religion and culture there mm-hmm. um, so in my region it's 50-50 but overall in uh, Russia it is um, predominantly orthodox people
0: I got you so, um, going back to the original point, that I was just curious to see, like, what your what that was with uh, with Russian people, and I know there's a lot of Russian, uh, I guess Russian women in particular uh, in Kizoma, at least in North America. You don't you don't really see a lot of Russian guys, like as much as you see Russian women, maybe
1: in the dance in the dance community or in North America.
0: In, the, in North America, in the North American kids community. In kids communities. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: <laughs> you know, there, there, there's a particular spread <laughs> when we mm-hmm. talk about men and women in Kizomba. Because mm-hmm. quite often, I just, I can't help but noticing that mm-hmm. if you are watching people dance in a social,
3: mm-hmm. um,
1: the backgrounds that a lot of people, uh, um, Afri- African American
3: mm-hmm. or
1: People with African backgrounds,
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, the they are leading. There are a lot mm-hmm. of leads, and then fo- followers uh, are predominantly white too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there, there is there are definitely also people of different backgrounds and skin colors following. But I think when it comes to leading, is um, the percentage of uh, w- white people leading is way smaller. Mm. So that's why in, in Russia, the population of like male population in Russia, I think it's 90 something, 98 percent have no idea. Don't take my word, but it's mm. uh, not too many um, people that come from other places. OK, so that's why uh, I would think and, and Russian men, they are. Uh, I just don't want to generalize a lot. because it's been a while since I was in Russia. I just sure. think that this kind of dance is, uh, you know, it's a little bit... It can feel like it's a little too much because you feel... As
0: um, far as intimacy or sensuality?
1: In, 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 in sensuality, intimacy, right, yes. That you have to get so close and uh, you... Mm, I I, I just honestly never knew the answer we can talk about we can think and elaborate like where our thoughts are coming from but Mm -hmm. I don't know what's the answer why this this spread is happening why um, not too many white men feel so comfortable to dance Mm -hmm. I don't want to say that. Uh, the feeling of music is different because uh, I don't think if it's something genetic,
3: mm-hmm. but
1: it's definitely in the culture. It's tradition. I would something that came to my mind several times is that you know in Russia there is no such thing as traditional dancing. Okay, there is really old school. You know when you like, uh, like <laughs> when oh the guys. Boy. go go down and they jump like crazy and you have to like Mm. dress in traditional clothing but it's not something that in our families it never happens that we just play traditional russian music and we Mm. dance when we are happy or when we are sad or just you know gathering together and feeling like sharing this beautiful moment of just moving together in a certain way we don't have any kind of moves that we would consider our traditional culture almost
3: which mm. is really
1: people music is not that big of a part of our life mm-hmm. i don't know what is the reason for it but it's just the way the culture works um, somebody can tell me that it's totally wrong and it's different in their region and uh, their family but my family and my surrounding in russia was always this way <clears throat> so um, the only uh, dance style i was kind of acquainted uh, with just a little was hip-hop Mm. And I would just tried to break down a little, <laughs> but then <laughs> it didn't go too far, you know? Yeah. And that that's it. And th- that's why there's no music that will make our hearts just, you know, beat faster and we will get excited. Except when I got to hear Kizumbo for the first time. That's exactly mm-hmm. how it felt. It felt just as if the music welcomes me uh, the way I am, where I where I am, dressed the way I was, you know? Mm -hmm. So I don't know, maybe we, women are more sensitive and they are more willing to, um, feel vulnerable vulnerable or explore. Yes. While men, they want to kind of keep safe, um, the the way they are, where they are not to make mistakes.
0: I feel like, so there was definitely some conversation a few months ago in the Kizoma scene to where, why didn't you see more women of color and leads who did not have color in the dancing and why is that like is it because it's not welcoming? Is there some kind of hidden unconscious bias that's happening or is this just like what we see in the demos on YouTube and videos and so we're like unconsciously just following that vibe or what the reasoning is but I mean I think it's definitely international like if you go to Spain, if you go to, Sweden if you go to a lot of different places like you do see a lot of uh, black men leading uh, especially in France and then you'll see a lot of white women as well so and the same thing happens here in North America a little bit so I wonder why that is it's definitely takes some it's gonna take some time to like chew on that maybe that'll be a podcast that I can have um later on down the road to kind of have a conversation about it but I definitely noticed that as well so deconstructing traditional dance roles. Do you want to talk a little bit about what your personal experience has been? I know you have some points that you want to cover, but I want, I, I kind of am wanting you to share your points and then we'll kind of elaborate around, around those. I know it's my podcast, but I don't want to overtalk <laughs> your ideas and I want to make sure that you have your voice.
1: So you are asking me what is my position on deconstructing the roles? I think it's um,
0: experience. Uh
1: Experience. So I think it's more coming to the to the fact that uh, you know this transition overall, this deconstruction is happening generally in the world, and as you said, you can see how women feel more empowered. They are more curious and bold to take chance, to take the lead. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it actually goes way faster than you, people might think. Because when I started dancing Kizomba, and I was sharing with you earlier, two years ago, I remember how it was so simple. And everybody would say, girls and guys, girls on the left, guys on the right. There was no question. If somebody, and then slowly, slowly, one person, one girl will stay together with the guys. and it would be so like uh, quite a little bit of discomfort in the air because people don't understand what happened. Why Mm -hmm. doesn't she want to follow and so on? And then you get used to this one case and then it happens again and again. And uh, so now most of the instructors, they they start with girls and guys, but then they say leads and follows because they know Mm -hmm. that there's going to be 5-10% of the group that they will not stay where we expect them to stay. Mm-hmm. And it was an extremely interesting uh, you know, process and transition that, is, that I was observing and I remember. And now uh, I'm, I slowly became one of those people who decides depending on the mood or the class, the type, the group, uh, on mm-hmm. what side I want to stay. And uh, it did change a lot my perspective and the way I see things, how this role distribution works and Mm -hmm. how you either have to you don't have to accept it you in fact can play with it and it's just a a really comforting thought that you don't have to just comply with uh, the expectations of others and especially because by doing so and not complying and discovering and learning more you get a chance to just open the entire different world of leading Mm-hmm. and through this you will improve your own following a lot so um i would say for myself i consider it necessary in order to really get to a level of understanding everything that's going on during the dance for both of us like for both leads mm-hmm. and follows i think um this so this deconstruction is necessary for everybody who is willing to uh to learn more to open their mind and uh, improve the dance the quality of the dance or potential of the dance to just bring it to a new level
0: mm-hmm. what would you say some of those uh, realizations were that you were having when you were first uh deciding how to lead like do you remember that <laughs> particular day when you said, hey, I'm going to lead? Or was there something that inspired you to, to stay on the, on the lead side that day?
1: Um, so, you know, it's, um, it's funny because it happened <laughs> during the time in the <laughs> So, in fact, it happened shortly after I started dancing. I think it was like when I met you and we went mm-hmm. to the, um, the Smile Paradise event. I have been dancing. I just started, maybe in five, six months, not too long Mm -hmm. ago. So it was my very first experience, and I will bring Jules back to it and Maya because (laughs) Mm -hmm. I guess that's why you really enjoyed our um, conversation that time because I feel so special about those two girls because Mm -hmm. they were two people who just took me by the hand and opened the door of you know everything you knew. Is partially true. Let me show you something else.
3: Hmm. What
1: I mean by that is that in the chalet, uh, like in most of the cases, there were too many leads and not enough, uh, too many follows. Not mm-hmm. an athlete. Okay. That's <laughs> uh, like a miracle situation when it's the opposite. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, and I was watching people dance, and of course, I wanted to dance too. And then at some point, it uh, Maya was standing next to me, and I didn't know her at that point. I just felt that uh, she has really bright and uh, joyful energy. And I just offered her to dance with me. But at that point, I don't think I ever really try any leading steps. Maybe just I was watching people during the classes and I would think, okay, it's a lot of for the for the leads. So you have to as a follow, you have to listen a lot to what leads do. <laughs> so it kinda it's normal that it will be somewhere in the back of your head. So I was like, okay, Maya, do you want to dance? And then she agreed. And I remember dancing with her. And you know, right from the first few moments, and I knew I totally knew that my level is zero. Okay. Zero <laughs> point five.
3: Uh-huh. The
1: way she made me feel, the way she was moving and just reading up the every single move that like every single intention I was giving to her. I would feel the music and I would pretty much imagine imagine, imagine dancing by myself. And the way she just followed me made me realize that wow follows <laughs> have such a huge role in this dance. Mm-hmm. And after going through all the classes when you just start, they say, if you lead well, everything will be fine. It's all about leads. You know, mm-hmm. and they and then you as a follower you feel, okay, it's a, it's not really that much about me. But when you mm-hmm. dance as a bad lead with somebody who just makes you feel like the king of the world, <laughs> queen mm-hmm. of the world. You realize that they are so underappreciated and the the weight they have in a good dance. Is beyond. I mean, okay. I'm talking right now uh, as a person who just started dancing and discovered the world. I know that most no, okay. of the people who've been dancing a lot, they kind of they know it. It's obvious, but maybe not. I, I know that there are still really like a lot of leads and many good uh, leads too. Who would think? Who would not really consider uh, follow follows role that much? They would say <laughs> it's all on me. And you know this um, this phrase of <laughs> it happened quite. Yeah, I, I will talk about it later but okay. so i would and then i was dancing with jules too and she would just like you know totally read every movement i was uh, making and it was it really make you fe- makes you feel like you are it, it makes you feel like you know what you're doing but it's not about you
3: mm-hmm.
1: so that's something that i took away from that chalet understanding that you know what you cannot say that it's about how good you lead because sometimes you are not good, but it's gonna make fantastic dance the way your follow is following
0: because the follow is able to adapt to you. So yeah. this makes me wonder. Like you said, that the the follows role was underappreciated, and this brought me back to a particular diagram or concept that I I posted in my Facebook group. Learn to kids. Um, if you're interested in joining that, kids on my Facebook group, I'll put a link in the show notes, but. I talked about how what is the percentage in your standard Kizoma class and like how much of the talk time is shared between the lead instructor and the follower instructor, if there is even a follower instructor present. And I guess before I even get into that that topic, what what when you were taking your classes, was there a follow instructor? And did she get as much talk time as the lead instructor?
1: I guess your observations are like are based on the fact that they don't get much talk time. Okay, not much air time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And it it is exactly what made me always feel like follow is not a role in a dance that needs a lot of time to put into. Because Mm -hmm. during classes, you you feel that leads they they have to do like they explain all the steps thousand times and sometimes they say nothing about the following steps and mm-hmm. you know wage transfer it's something that took me to understand after one year i think
3: mm-hmm. nobody
1: would really say that you know the way you move you have to really understand how you transfer it it's something that people were just leaving out
3: mm-hmm. and
1: um, it, it feels unfair it feels unfair that uh follows are not being like uh, putting that much effort in teaching how to follow because mm. as, again as i told you the some follows they will blow your mind away and understanding how to get there is super important and we all pay money, <laughs> we all mm. pay the money. nobody says follows they are not that important they can pay less <laughs> so that's mm. why it, it feels a little unfair and um
0: so in your case you're saying that there was a follow instructor present but they didn't get as much talk time
1: um it depends on um, it depends on the um the instructors and the couple and what kind of relationship Mm. they have is it a constant follow somebody who um, assists all the time Mm. um sometimes i think that uh, still two men have the lead and leaders have the lead they would just keep on talking sometimes they would maybe uh, give the partner to speak a little Mm. but um it's it's before i'm talking about the beginning of my um when i just started learning if it's a couple of instructors and they both exchange their roles, so for instance, the school where I went to the fir- fir- first place, both of them were leaders and followers. And sometimes if the, the guy was missing, uh, the follow uh, the instructor, the lady, she would just take over and she would explain the steps for both guys and girls and would p- really pay attention. But I think the majority in, in most of the situations, it's uh, just less time for a follow to explain the steps and uh, techniques. They focus mm-hmm. a lot on the lead.
0: So yeah, this is the the pattern that I've seen a lot as well. And not that one. Can, it's it's possible to have one instructor that can teach the class, but they have to be experienced in both or be able to speak to the technique of both. So that way, both are getting the equal amount of value. You know, like as a dance instructor who's teaching a pa- a partner dance. Your job is to give information and to give value to those participants, you know? And Mm -hmm. everybody's paying the same price. Like you said before, they're investing the same amount of time and the same amount of money, you know? So obviously, you want both roles to receive the equal value for the time and the money that they have invested, you know? So I feel like in that uh, light, that it does feel unfair because you're investing the same as the other role, but not receiving the same amount of feedback, you know? And now, If it feels unfair, like how we defining what is unfair and what is contributing to that is which is where my brain goes. So I immediately ask, was there a follow present? Was there? Is it an assistant? Does she actually know how to teach or is she an experienced follow? And if she's a beautiful follow, beautiful dancer, how many how much experience does she have teaching? Is the leader valuing her voice and giving her a platform or space to talk and talk to the follows, or I've seen to where a follower doesn't feel confident. Maybe the, the lead mm-hmm. is giving her space to talk and she feels shy. And so she shies away from, from speaking as much, or maybe she's not as uh, experienced with the uh, breaking down the information from the followers. And, and not to say that lead instructors can also lack in uh, experience in in teaching and things like that as well. So I think another thing that contributes to this is teaching patterns versus teaching technique as well. So I mean, you could you have the situations where you're just teaching one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and the followers remember the sequence and they just do what they're supposed to do, mm-hmm. and versus understanding why it is that they're doing what they're doing and mm-hmm. what are the cues and the signals and maybe offering a couple of different options of like, okay, what happens if this happens or what happens if that happens or what happens if this happens, you know? So there's so many facts. I'm going to do a video on this because I think it'll be really, really awesome to like just put that and just pose the questions. Mm-hmm. But
1: Those those are a very good points. And I agree, but also, of my, my brain went a little different direction, just a little. Mm-hmm. So, the le- the last school that I where I took classes it's, it's actually the only school where I went and I bought the entire course, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know what, they absolutely surprised me. I'm like the biggest fan right now, <laughs> mm-hmm. so it's a uh, I don't know if we do the can we say the names? <laughs> 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 so it's, it's a, in my in, innovation school, uh, mm-hmm. and I absolutely love the way they build their teaching uh, structure so it's a team so mm-hmm. Roy he opened the school and it's um I now I think it's like five people in there so mm-hmm. three three follows two leads and you know what that was something that I loved the most the fact that they were not sticking to patterns because I said before all the dances mm-hmm. with patterns and choreographies they really pushed me away and another thing about giving a r- room and space for feedback from a follow I really you you see sometimes you see some of those points that you uh, mentioned earlier. Sometimes you see follows are not feeling comfortable to talk about mm-hmm. something or breaking it down. What I remembered is when that actually Roy gives a lot of space to any any follow that he has. Sometimes maybe somebody uh, replaces somebody, but he would always give the room for the follower to teach to each others and they might first not feel too comfortable just because of the fact that it usually doesn't happen Mm -hmm. and then they take this uh, moment just to because they know they know they just not they were not prepared you know because they don't get that much uh, uh, like space and then they just go ahead and they teach and s- explain those little points and uh, concepts that are missing and only a good fellow can really point it out.
3: Mm. And uh,
1: the question is why not, why the lead, why the teacher instructor, the lead instructor wouldn't give space to their, their um, um, companion no, <laughs> to, to, the, <laughs> to the assistant. Uh, is it because they doubt them? That they can, mm-hmm. is it because they wouldn't even consider that they can do this? Uh is it because they feel uncomfortable from the thought that they might be better? You know? Um so it's two sides again, uh why the follow might not do it, but why the instructor, the the lead instructor wouldn't give that much space to his uh, partner. Yeah.
0: For sure. So I think that's a really good point because if the leader is preventing the follower from speaking then that's definitely a situation that we don't want but if the leader is maybe like doesn't have anything against it but maybe he didn't create an opportunity for it you know Mm -hmm. uh, in the class could be a thing versus actively remembering that hey i have follows in this class and like you said before like typically there are more freaking follows in the class so your focus (laughs) should be on how you're providing value to them and going back to what you were thinking or what you were saying before, I feel like maybe it wouldn't catch the follower by surprise if the people took some time before the class to lesson plan and <laughs> in the lesson plan you're asking, gee, I wonder what a follower who this is new for, I wonder what she might struggle with or what's mm-hmm. the hardest part of this move or this technique and what's going to make it easier? for them. If you ask yourselves these class these questions preemptively, then in class it's like, "Oh yeah. Hey, um whoever the assistant follow is, can you talk about that one technique that really makes this easier?" And then she goes and shares her experience. And then of mm-hmm. course, if she's in that role, she can just say, "Oh yeah, on the on the social dance floor when this happens, I find if I don't do this, then this happens. If I do do this, then the desired result happens and etc. They're able to share their experience with it, you know? So, yes, I think the lesson plan part is really important as well. So maybe they're not caught by surprise, you know, or they're on the same page. So they're not afraid that, like, they're going to give conflicting information, you know?
1: Um, It sounds like that would definitely help uh, mm-hmm. a little bit idealistic <laughs> because you never know. Sometimes you just don't know how the, the class would go and uh, what questions the uh, students would ask. So
3: mm-hmm.
1: I, it, it definitely just, I guess it's also experienced the more, the more normal it becomes to, mm-hmm. for a follow to actually take the time and or give follow a space to explain it to the class, you know, then it will be normal. But again, we are talking about the time of a transition, Mm -hmm. when all the instructors are still trying to figure it out, if they're equal, (laughs) you know. Mm -hmm. So what I remember, one of the reasons, so there are different reasons why people start deconstructing it and switch roles, Mm -hmm. and go into following or leading as the opposite role. And so for me, for instance, the initial impulse was because I didn't want to stand and not dance when the music is good.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, Like it happens quite often. And if it happens this way, it's it's perfect this way. But eventually you understand what is the reason you want to continue because it's a lot of effort. Mm -hmm. And for me, for instance, one of the main reasons was that I wanted to know, what exactly going on is going on during the dance and whose fault is it (laughs) when it doesn't work? Okay. Because I was talking about it um, like earlier and I said I will mention it. It's that you know when you dance with leaders and it's it's happened thousands of times. Mm -hmm. You dance with people and then they look at you and, and with a smile something went wrong. And then they smile and they just go, Oh, it's leaders' fault. And for me, it was like, that sounds like a whole bunch of bullshit
3: <laughs> because I, don't,
1: I cannot imagine that everything that go, like, goes wrong in the world should go on mm. the shoulders of a man or a lead in this mm-hmm. case, just a priori.
0: I thought you were going to say that the leader was going to blame the follow because I've heard of stories of that as well.
1: Oh, Really? I mean, Mm -hmm. they didn't have those instructors who say it's always leader's fault. And I want my fault too. I cannot Mm -hmm. imagine that I don't (laughs) do anything wrong, okay? (laughs) If I didn't get that balance, like a balance transfer, weight transfer, right? Mm -hmm. You know, he can try as much as he wants, but I will just jump from one leg and then he's going to squeeze me. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I cannot... I still cannot believe that it's all about the way you lead (laughs) because I had experience with Maya and Jules, you know, it's all there.
0: (laughs) No, I think it can definitely go both ways. Like depending on what the instructor kind of tells the students, he can say, Oh, it's always the leader's fault. Um, but then if you have kind of a more, I guess, boisterous instructor and maybe he's like telling the leader, like, Oh, you got this, And maybe this leader is not accustomed to hearing feedback from the follow because maybe the follow instructor wasn't there. Depending on what those leads or that lead has been exposed to, they could be very quick to say, oh, it wasn't me. It must have been the follower because even though nobody's ever critiqued my lead, I know my lead is quote unquote flawless, you know.
1: But that's why being humble is extremely important, not only in Mm -hmm. dance, but in life you know that's um, one of the it's actually funny I found it really funny how Kizomba taught me about concepts that are applicable to everyday life like when Mm -hmm. we don't dance our relationships with people our Mm -hmm. relationships with ourselves I see so many parallels I actually grew I would say personal personality wise I grew a Mm -hmm. lot thanks to Kizomba because I was able to observe things that are happening in a very dense space and time mm-hmm.
3: dimension.
1: Because all these contact concepts of conversation, understanding, listening, giving mm-hmm. space, uh be humble in a dance, or just overall, just humble and mistakes happen, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's is all happens in our life, but it's just in our life in everyday life we have so much time and space <laughs> when Between we when,
0: those those it, lessons come exactly. you know
1: when you think about social it's uh, in a in a smaller space we actually get really close to each other it's less time so it's more intense and that's why our experiences or my experience showed to be more profound and more insightful than if you just go through life and takes days and uh, weeks to understand something, yeah. So
0: yeah, definitely. I feel like there's definitely a lot of parallels between just like good human virtues and those that you practice on the dance floor. Uh, humility is definitely one of those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, Self awareness is something that came to mind as well when I was hearing you speak, and just being open to like, hey, it is possible that hey, you're not perfect, you know. I can recall a lot of times on the social dance floor that people think, oh, he's an international instructor. So if something happened in the dance, then it must have been my fault, you know? Mm -hmm. But just because I'm a high-level lead, or maybe I've been around a long time, doesn't mean that I still make mistakes or I mess up on a weight transfer, or maybe I was trying to do something to the music and I missed something, you know? So I've I've told follows in a lot of different private lessons. Don't automatically assume faults, You know, like let's analyze and see what happened, or maybe talk to the lead and say, "Hey, were you trying to do something?" Let's let's uh, explore with a curious mind what ha- Something happened before we automatically assume who's at fault, or it was my fault, or no, it was your fault. It's like, hey, let's just talk. A- let's rewind and talk about what happened. You know, like what was your intention? You know, it,
1: th- that's why. That's why it's so crucial to have a peek on the other side of the fence Mm -hmm. and not actually climb over the fence and just jump (laughs) in the (laughs) swimming pool of leading or following whatever is not uh, a original role you uh, were assigned to. That's Mm -hmm. why it's so important. Because, in fact, when you learn and go through those basics, you realize your mistakes so much Mm -hmm. faster and easier. Definitely. And you have more totally assuming right away. I don't. I don't think it's a good idea because there there might be some, you know, um, really like a, a small point that you just missed when you analyze the move and what didn't okay. go right. But in general, you will have a more understanding of maybe the lead doesn't know that he has to do the move prepared just an instant before the beat, mm-hmm. and it's not you who's missing it. It's just he makes you move right. Right on the Mm -hmm. not after, and then you you feel heavy, and you know, or exactly. So it just it just helps you to understand a little better. And again, about feedback, I think it's still quite like a sensitive topic. That when you lead, or you follow, when you do the opposite, when you do boss, both Mm -hmm. you will um, better understand. But it doesn't mean that you automatically have the right to tell everybody what's wrong. Mm-hmm. It's, it's usually I always I'm happy that I would be able to give a little more constructive feedback than mm-hmm. say, oh, it doesn't work. Yeah, <laughs> i would be like, sure. oh, today I just this doesn't work with me or maybe let's try. But it's only if they're really like if they're really interested in, in your opinion or they are asking Because I think many men, they get uh, hostile or (laughs) Mm. defensive Defensive. yeah, when you start telling them what's wrong, especially if it's not you.
0: (laughs) And the way you go about doing it as well, if you're doing it in a very like point your finger in their face kind of way, of course, somebody that's not the most gracious way to do it. But it's like, hey, this is what I'm feeling, you know,
3: Yeah. and
0: what is your intention and what you're trying to do, then it's different, you know. And this feedback, I think, is super, super important because we have to realize that we don't know how it is that other people experience us because we're we're in our bodies. We're in our consciousness, you know, and the analogy that I like to make in some of my classes is that you don't know how it is to kiss yourself. Yeah. So how do you know (laughs) if you're a good kisser if you've never experienced what it is, what other people feel kissing you, you know? Okay, I would um, argue with that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I bet you can say if you're a good kisser,
0: yourself. But that's based off of feedback that people have given you, you know? Maybe like, hey, I have a a 90% satisfactory (laughs) rating. (laughs)
1: <laughs> you know what? I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> so the other day, the other time, I don't know, not too long ago, I was actually teaching somebody how to kiss using the basics of kissing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so tell us, tell us, elaborate more.
1: <laughs> so it's just, you know, it was always go back to zero. So zero, mm. zero, zero, 50 50, because the person just kept on pushing. With their head, mm-hmm. they're just pushing me. And mm-hmm. I'm like, how can you, you? Don't you know the 50-50 rule? <laughs> to go back, <laughs> don't keep on falling on me all the time mm-hmm. with your face. <laughs> so it just—it's funny because for me, it makes so much sense. How, like you know, the fluidity of movements—it's not only when you dance. It's uh, it's interactions with people. Not only when you kiss, there should be mm-hmm. the balance, this conversation, mm-hmm. and ability to listen.
3: And
0: uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Another thing that came to mind is the like the idea of active consent. Now that we're talking about kissing and like relationships and things like that, <laughs> don't,
1: don't jump, don't go in there. This is, this is, you know dark forest, and you're bringing me there. <laughs> this this whole thing is a trap.
0: <laughs> but like in terms of gender roles and and things of that nature, like we consent is definitely a huge topic nowadays as well and how to navigate it and how to seek active consent. And I think like, just like in the dancing, just because somebody says yes to you once, doesn't mean they're always gonna say yes every single time. you like, you still have to ask again for that particular instance. Uh, just like if you were intimate with somebody, that doesn't mean that you have the green light to have intimate moments with that person whenever you want, you know, like it has to be an active uh, agreeance from both parties, yeah? So I guess that's as far as, as we can go. We need to go into the the dark forest of, of consents and I, sexual I think, encounters. I, but.
1: <laughs> I think here if we want to do deconstruction and so on, I wonder how we can actually flip the roles and hear opinions of people who experience totally opposite thing. Like
3: mm. for instance,
1: men who say no. Mm. Or <laughs> you know, the concept seeking seeking consent from men is an interesting topic too.
0: Definitely. Because um, I think the societal assumption is that a man is always willing to have sex and he'll never say no, but that obviously that's not the case, you know?
1: It's So my problem is that I always take case by case basis. I really have trouble generalizing things. You have to. You have to hmm. sometimes generalize things and like look into statistics. At least
0: from a stereotypical standpoint.
1: Yeah. I can I don't think that stereotypes are bad necessarily. They they should be served as just a tool to navigate through life lightly, superficially. Mm. If you just think of stereotypes, but then you look into every single situation it, with all the details, that's the only way you can know the truth. That's why th- from like going from. Overall, what we were reading or like seeing in the past few decades, pretty much happening in the relationship between men and women, it is it, the change is happening in this gender roles too. Mm. Uh, the way women want to hold themselves and act, which is very different to the roles or like expectations that our parents bring to us, for instance, like many things. So um, the I think the level of the deconstruction and how complicated it can get is beyond what I can imagine. I just I have a great imagination, but sometimes mm-hmm. when I try, I get scared <laughs> how complicated mm-hmm. things are.
0: <laughs> Definitely. I think that's why it's really important to be able to create a safe space where people can kind of share their experiences and their feelings in a, in a non-judgmental way and like we don't have a manual for this, you know, so the ability to have mm-hmm. conversations and the ability to adapt and the ability to empathize are, are going to be really key things because mm-hmm. that's going to allow us to progress and move forward and make sure that people feel heard and, and seen and people can share their experiences and have enjoyable experiences so they can stay around, you know?
3: Yeah,
1: Th- definitely like a uh, general guidelines or, um, is necessary for a dance. I think we slowly understand that when it comes to, um, of course, the main education students get, they get it in the class that they take locally, right? Uh, from your mm-hmm. local instructor. And that's why I think that instructor should be more comfortable taking, I don't know, 15 minutes in the class, during the class, how you talk about consent. And that's why when we were on the call uh, uh, with uh, Gigi and Jay, Mm-hmm the thought that i had is that was that i think just inside me i feel like female instructors could be do a really great job at teaching basics to everybody because mm-hmm. basics are not especially complicated it's all about how you teach them of course it mm-hmm. takes time to, like biking you have to at some point it's just going to click in your head and you understand how it works but i feel that women they just have this they they sense way more and they can clarify way more points for follows and leads. While mm-hmm. le- leaders instructor who only lead they and especially if they're male and they didn't encounter certain things and da- a dance for, you know they are not able to prepare their students to a big life you know mm-hmm. where you see all the discomfort and uncomfortable situations and have no idea how to act. So if it starts with the uh, I, w- I, would, I would love seeing only female instructors <laughs> teaching basics and then when it gets too complicated, female instructors can do it too. It's not a problem. If they just decide to focus on technique, there's like you know, no question for me. but I just feel that like women have naturally better feel for you know how to talk about emotional part of a dance, clarify, sure. it, break it in um, yeah, pieces better.
0: I agree. And this is why um, on that particular podcast, uh, Elvis kept getting brought up. And so Elvis is a dancer out of Ottawa in Canada, and he learned from Lindsay. Mm -hmm. So Lindsay has been on the podcast. I will link her podcast in the show (laughs) notes. (laughs) And Lindsay was also the person that I hand selected and said, hey, I want you to come teach. My Fundamentals track at Kids last year. (laughs) And because I already knew that she has so much experience teaching over the years in Ottawa. And Elvis is just proof that like she's really grooming a lot of good leads. And Elvis is also a person that switches between Mm -hmm. lead and follow as well. But I think the fact that he even has that mindset is because he learned from a female instructor. Mm -hmm. And the amount of positive reviews that I had from Lindsay at Neokids was phenomenal, like super, super awesome. People were super happy with the way that she was teaching because she has both perspectives. She was able to give perspective from a lead and also from a follow. And she was also teaching with Isabel. So I mm-hmm. have to give her credit as well. I don't want to put all the lights on Lindsay, but... um. I knew that, like, hey, I want you to come and teach at Neil Kids because I know you know your shit, and it wasn't an issue of her gender; it was just her experience and being able to manage both roles.
1: Yeah, and uh, the same thing for for male instructors. Eventually, the, mm-hmm. you see rarely that two male instructors or just two guys on dance floor are dancing. Uh, mm-hmm. there is still too much discomfort that is uh, connected to this idea but Mm -hmm. uh, I think as soon as male instructors start and they kind of get a little bit of lightness when they follow they can understand they can pick up everything from the from the lead because they already know the technique they just have to They will feel it, they will figure out what they are doing, and they can adjust and learn and grow so much faster. So just kind of getting over this little moment of discomfort will allow Mm -hmm. you as a lead to grow so much. And then eventually, in the perfect world of Kizom, but the way I see it, when anybody can be lead and follow, it can switch back and forth. Guys as a follow can dance with guys or girls. And Mm -hmm. that's why if you think about it, okay, so it's like a technique meets musicality and you can switch between each other. And then the Definitely musicality really. mix meets fusion or fusion meets attitude. So you can learn mm-hmm. everything by just switching in between. A musicality Definitely meets really. musicality. It's
0: crazy. Was, uh, <laughs> like imagine a dance floor where everybody dances every role. There's nobody sitting because it doesn't <laughs> matter. Because anybody can grab anybody for any particular role, you know? So yeah. Um, there's no more need to have to sell lead passes or follow passes or anything like that mm-hmm. because now you have everybody's an ambi dancer you know
1: yeah it's a quote cool time okay. <laughs> so while well, we were still talking about this you know switching roles and changing perspective and growing through learning a totally different side so I found this quote you should like don't go and look for this guy <laughs> i think his research might be a little bit crazy but anyway (laughs) so the quote goes (laughs) the moment you change your perception is the moment you rewrite the chemistry of your body Mm -hmm. it's bruce lipton but so the thing is that this uh phrase that i when i was interpreting it I draw the parallel between chemistry and energy. Because okay, the guy is a biologist, so he talks about chemistry. <laughs> but mm-hmm. the moment you actually change your perception of leading and following, that moment your energy will change and on dense floor because I think it's it's quite obvious that the energy that leaders have, a give, intentions, and the follow energy more like a receptive energy versus creative. I don't want to say the follows are not creative, but like originally you have to come up with moves and ability to lead while your follow has to know how to like be sensitive enough and receptive enough to make the move beautiful. So this energy is different. So you allow your body work on a a different like energy level. And Mm -hmm. I found this uh, quote quite nice. Mm
0: -hmm. I like that quote. There, I feel that female leads have an advantage over male leads because of the fact that they're willing to dance with different leads. They're able to, I guess, experience different flavors of leads. So let's say a follow dances at a festival, and maybe she just follows Friday night and let's say she dances with 20 leads. Each one of those leads are going to have their own flavor of how they express their musicality, body movement, swag, etc. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Now this follow also knows how to lead. So now let's say she comes to this Saturday party and there's too many follows so she decides to lead. She has her flavor, but now she can kind of indirectly flip Maybe what she liked from each of those different twenty leads that she's had, and so it adds so much more flavor to her dance because she's uh, she's experienced more. I don't want to say taste it because we don't taste, <laughs> but
1: <laughs> flavors tasting. Okay, what's going on? Yeah. What kind of dancing happens in Neo Geese? <laughs>
0: <laughs> but she's Been experienced so many more, much variety versus a lead. He can dance with twenty different follows. And maybe, yes, the follow can influence his lead, but predominantly it's just going to be his particular perspective or interpretation when he's dancing. What are your thoughts?
1: Oh, it's because
0: you, this, this, this is something that you personally experience. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, it's definitely true. And, uh, I feel so sorry for all those leads who don't want to know how to follow. <laughs> you know, it, it limits you a lot in uh, mm-hmm. what your experience can be. Leads will still have different flavors of follows. <laughs> they will experience it all. But if you compare a lady leading all those follows, what mm-hmm. I found interesting is that you can pick up following techniques with them. You can, it's it's it goes both ways depends i mm-hmm. guess what you're focused more at the moment maybe you want to learn be- how to lead better but sometimes you just forget how to be a good follow and dancing with a follow will allow you to also eventually mimic whatever you just learned by just leading this this uh, this person Without without the ability to lead, you would never be able to improve your following when maybe after this particular dancer just led. And then a few moments after you found a partner who will lead you and you will just reproduce everything you liked so much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's definitely uh, uh, advantage. An advantage that uh, we talk, yeah, ladies who
0: can do both. For sure, uh,
1: have yeah. But uh, with the guys, if you think about it, if they only do this,
0: it will uh, help help enhance their skills and their understanding and their awareness so much more.
1: Yeah, not maybe not even how to. be better follows, because maybe men are not that interested in following that much, but mm-hmm. how to be better leaders No. Yeah.
0: yeah, I would definitely say that once I started following, my lead definitely increased so much more because I was able to put myself in the shoes of like, okay, where their weight needs to be, where their intention needs to feel, uh, what they need to be focusing on, like it helps so much. Actually, even today, um, I was teaching a private lesson with one of the local girls here in town. And we were working through kind of sinking our teeth deeper into just a simple woman's saída in closed position. So not using the frame, but mm-hmm. like connecting with the chest and doing like casamento, like men's saída into women's mm-hmm. saída. And we kept kind of disconnecting at the legs, mm-hmm. especially on the third step. and. I wanted her to feel what I want her to do, so mm-hmm. I had her lead me. Mm-hmm. She doesn't. She didn't really know how to do a saïda, but I back her, and then I showed her this is what you want to do on that step, and she felt it, you know. Mm-hmm. And she was like, "Oh, okay, that makes sense." Mm-hmm. And she she kind of got it as she was leading me, and then we switched it, and boom, mm-hmm. she was able to like know like, okay, nope, I missed it, or yes. I did make the connection to to make it. So that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And I like being able to pull that card out and like, hey, lead me and I'm going to show you what it feels like to not look at your chest and I'm just going to walk all around <laughs> and look at all around the room and then I want to show you the difference of how it is when I'm following you but I'm focused on your chest and staying within your your the circle of your frame, you know? Mm-hmm. And it really helps them feel like, oh, I don't want to feel like that. I want to feel like this. And so it just gives them another perspective to to add into their learning, you know?
1: 100%. I actually had this thought and then I forgot while we were Mm -hmm. talking about um, um, instructors teaching in the groups. And Mm -hmm. this is one of the things, if you learn a lot when you go to take uh, classes, like courses uh, from your local instructors. And I think if only... Male instructors would take this bold uh, decision on actually do a following role in a class. It would Mm. change everybody's perception and level of comfort. Because Mm. if an instructor just says, "Now I'm gonna you gonna you're gonna lead me and I'm I'm gonna give you a good constructive feedback and it's normal," then guys, students, uh, male students who lead. They would feel way more comfortable with this idea if instructor takes a chat. Takes a step and says, "Okay, just let's do it." Because I saw it um, during Roy's class, and you see mm-hmm. how at first, <laughs> you know, uh, male leads. they like, "Hmm, okay," but if they trust you as an instructor, they know that you are not there to kind of do anything bad. So, mm-hmm. and I think they were actually really excited about them leading uh, a male instructor and kind of they, they establish even better connections through it I have
0: a feeling I, I agree completely I re- when I was hearing you speak I remember a time where there was another instructor that was teaching and I was going through as a follow and I was giving feedback mm-hmm. to the leads mm-hmm.
3: super and, valuable and mm-hmm.
0: it was super, super valuable for the leads because they got instant feedback on whether it was good or not but Again, it just goes to my point. Like, I feel like this should be something that should be standard. It shouldn't be something just like icing on the cake. Mm-hmm. This should be woven into the fabric of mm-hmm. teaching fundamentals at the dance. And you're just going to create so many good leads and so many good follows. And they don't have to go through all the frustrations, you know. Mm-hmm. And then once they get to those higher levels, then you're just going to have sauce dances like left and right.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah that's a that's a secret <laughs> secret mm-hmm. uh, to give a new flavor to a
0: dance. Mm-hmm. So we're about at an hour and 15 right now with our podcast and this has been a really really good conversation. Um do you feel that we hit all of our bases? I think that was we talked good about each topic.
1: Yeah, quite sure I'm I'm quite sure we uh we touched upon all of those. Let me see, let me see.
0: And you even got your quotes in.
1: I got only one. I have another one. Do you want to hear it?
0: <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> it's from the same guy again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly it was laughing at it when I was going through um, my notes again, because it mm-hmm. might be, it just has so much connection to a dance. I think I can connect anything to a dance and see anything in my life through a prism <laughs> of Kizomba. You can look at me and be like, She's crazy.
0: <laughs> She's a mad at it. <laughs>
1: She's, but, um, it's just for me, it's, it's my, my new, it's, it's a good teacher. Dance as dance mm-hmm. is on, but because I, I cannot talk before other dances, but it, mm-hmm. it's a great teacher for many other things, not only how to dance. So let me see the last uh, quote eventually. If you don't like it,
3: <laughs> cut it out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> let me see. Boom, boom, boom. Okay. So the quote goes like that. Your perspective is always limited by how much you know. Expand your knowledge, and you will transform your mind.
0: Mm, I like that. Yeah, that's. This is the intellectual guy.
3: (laughs) Yeah.
1: If only he wasn't talking about like really how your mind can (laughs) you know influence the biology or DNA DNA Mm -hmm. of your body. (laughs) We just throw it out with the window. (laughs) He's talking, but really the knowledge will. If you if you will learn about the other side of the moon, you will know everything mm. about the moon.
0: Yeah. yeah. It kind of reminds me of this one particular quote that says, it's kind of in the same tangent, but kind of in the reverse. And it says, as the island of your knowledge grows, so do the shores of your ignorance. Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: So it's pretty much... The, the shores of ignorance, it's pretty much the more you know, the more the ignorant, less you know, the less you know. Mm-hmm. I, uh, yeah. Is it Aristoteles who said the only thing I know is that? No, no, no. It, it was, it, this is something that usually my granny used to tell me. She was one <laughs> of the most intelligent people I knew. We mm-hmm. had like 5,000 books, at the library, her personal library in our apartment. And she oh, wow. always kept telling me this thing. She said, the only thing I know is that I don't know anything. (laughs) 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 And I would be like, what? (laughs) Makes no
0: sense. Yeah. Makes makes a lot of sense. "Mm -hmm." Because I feel like the more things that you know about, the more questions you have about the things, they're like, well, what of this? And what of that? And what of this? And then you learn this new concept. And then, you know, the questions to ask around it. So the expansion it's just,
1: happens from all the sides, you know,
0: mm-hmm. it's like a um, exponential expansion of, of, quen- of questions <laughs> as you obtain more knowledge.
1: Yeah, the m- more knowledge and more questions about things <laughs> that you just learned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a sometimes it's a really hard process, but no matter how hard it is, it is definitely
0: rewarding. I agree for sure all right eliza so you did it again it,
1: it took one hour 20, 20 minutes <laughs> <laughs> one hour tw- my brain
0: my brain neurons <laughs> went to another section of my brain so i, I need to open up the the name pronunciation <laughs> cabinet
1: the more names you know the less names you know
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was a good one that was a good one. i have to give you credit for that one <laughs> All right, Elisa. Um, do you have any final thoughts to share with our listeners from our conversation that we just had?
1: Right now, probably I would just send warm Kizomba hug mm-hmm. to everyone, every single person who is. We are all in the same boat, missing it like crazy, and mm-hmm. for me go like for everybody going from let's say a few hours of hugs a few times a week mm-hmm. to, I don't know how much you get guys but I guess I get so little <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like giving it a lot to to start the you know the, the exchange circle um, sure. hopefully we all will be soon able to to feel each other
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And dance to good combo yeah. beats.
0: <laughs> For sure. I agree.
1: Yeah.
0: All right, Elisa well, I definitely appreciated your perspective and your insights and sharing your experience and your intellectual kind of I guess approach to viewing things. Um, I really enjoyed our conversation and this is just like i mean i already knew like five minutes into the podcast i'm like yep this this is somebody that needs to be on this show and i'm glad that we were finally able to make this happen and so thank you so much for being a part of this episode
1: thank you so much thank you i really appreciate you inviting me and it's always a pleasure talking to you you know
0: (laughs) thank you for checking out the dance your heart on fire podcast today be sure to check out neilkizomba.com for links to everything that we chatted about today as well as some awesome free resources to enhance your Kizomba journey.